false fall, but it, boy, it sure does feel like fall this morning, getting up in the 40s. Um, just to quickly go over this real fast, um, and it's totally up to you guys. <clears throat> and I'll be honest with you, my the company I work for is a part of this. Um, this is a, a memo from uh, Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham, and they're going to be doing a prayer walk on um, September 26th, and they're going to be going from the Lincoln Memorial at noon, and they're going to mar march across the National Mall to the U.S. Capitol, and they're going to pray along the way. And th they're calling this something, what's it called? Prayer March 2020. Um, and then during that whole event, they're having something else up there called the Return Prayer Event, and it's a, just another prayer event. It's, it's a big deal. We're doing the return. Wilcox Travel's doing the return. Uh, but it's all together, and it's nothing but praying for our nation, uh, and we de desperately need it right now with all that's going on. Uh, we'll pin that up, but if anybody's interested, um, you'll be quarantined for two weeks when you come back. I'll just say that. <laughs> if you want to go, go, but I'm not going to be there. Um, and then the bottles. What were the dates, Rita? Is there dates? Okay. Okay. All right, so for the month of September, uh, we got to try to collect these uh, bottles. They're out on the side here. Um, if you got questions, ask Rita, but please try to fill these up. Why are they so little? What did you do? Did you put them in the dishwasher and shrunk them, didn't you? Yeah. Judy. <laughs> Judy Green. Yeah. Okay. Like she said, it's the only fundraiser that they do. So everything else is just by donation that comes in throughout the year. So this is a big deal. So if you can get a baby bottle or two, fill them up, bring them back. Uh, we'll take them up the first Sunday in October. Uh, try to make that a priority this year it's that's a good thing that they do up there i love love what they do all right i'll be quiet now I'll turn over to first john chapter four. First john chapter four and we're going to be getting some direction today from brother john about how we can fight this battle that we're we're in right now as christians we're fighting tooth and nail to to try to survive and try to win and uh try to whoop the devil it's what we're trying to do and he tends to find new ways to, to get at us. He has an arsenal that's just unreal at his disposal. And just, we've got to figure out how to, how to get a hold of him and how to, to whoop him and defeat him. We know, we know what Revelation says. We know that the battle's won. But until Jesus comes back and takes us home, we're going to keep fighting with the devil. And he's going to keep doing things. Uh, to make it hard on us. And it's not just our home life. It can be our work life. It's our school life right now. I mean, what do you think, Sage? How do you like his school life right now? Is it, It's different, ain't it? It's hard. And, and he's making it harder on the kids in school. It's making it hard on the parents as well. I'm, me and Marie's, Marie's taking off Tuesday just to, to try to figure out what Paisley's doing because it's such a, it's such a different time for us right now. But the devil's also working in our churches. And some churches, I think he's working harder in the church than God is, the way it looks. It's like he is getting in there and is just absolutely destroying our churches inside. God's still there, but I believe the church, the congregation's allowing the devil to do more work than God is doing work in there. So we have a battle. We have a war going on with the devil. We got a war going on with the devil and his demons and false prophets that are around there, these false teachers. That's what we're going to be reading about here in just seconds, discerning false teachers so everywhere the devil is making it pretty rough on us most christians don't realize that we're living on a battlefield right now here on earth a lot of people tend to think it's a 
background, but it's not. It is the actual battlefield that we're on. And I, I was thinking while uh, Conley was singing there about that song that we sing over uh, at Vacation Bible School. Onward Christian Soldier. Anybody remember that page? 372. Onward Christian Soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before, Christ the royal master leads against the foe, forward in the battle, see his banner go. Uh, we don't ever sing this in Bible school, but the last verse, listen to it, it says, Onward, then ye people, join our happy throng, blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, loud in honor, unto Christ the King, this through countless ages, men and angels sing. Onward Christian soldiers marching to the war with the cross of Jesus going on before. We sing that with the kids, but we really don't think about it much because it has to do with kids. That's, that's us as Christians. That's us as the church. That's us as brothers and sisters. That is us marching on to war. And we got to keep our sword held high, which would be our Bible. We got to keep this thing, got to keep it sharp. We got to keep it. Uh, ready to fight, keep it in hand at all times. And we talk, go back into Ephesians and we talk about the whole armor of God and how we got to have it on from our helmet to our shoe straps. We got to have all of this on as we go into battle or we're going to lose. You will lose. So keep your, keep your swords held high and keep that thing ready to fight. Now, one thing is sure we're soldiers. As, as, uh, as Christians, we are soldiers, we are in the army of God we have been uh, as as the the moment we get saved and we stand up we put on that armor and we're going to go to battle and uh, most people tend to find that that battle gets really tough right out of the gate we stand up and we go to, to battle with the devil because we're a new Christian we're a new creature and the devil don't like it because he just lost one heaven gained one and, and Satan lost one so he's going to make it hard on us so we've got to be prepared from the moment we're saved until we get put in the grave or however we go out. We've got to be ready and, and always ready to, to battle and to fight. Now, we've got to figure out who our enemy is first, I guess. And I've done talked about the devil a little bit, but there's more to it than just the devil. There's two other things. It's a threefold battle that we're into right now. We've got to battle with the flesh. We have a lot of flesh we've got to deal with. And then we've got to battle with the world. And then we've got to battle with the devil. So we've got the flesh, the world, and the devil. And it's coming at us from all three sides 24-7. We don't catch a break. Even when you're sleeping, you've got to deal with it. We've got it coming at us, and we've got to be ready to fight off all three of those at, at, at all times. Now, the flesh, when we talk about the flesh, the flesh is wanting us to go back to our old ways. The flesh doesn't like our new way. The flesh doesn't like this new creature. The flesh, it's, it, it's not happy with us. So the flesh says you were more happy. You was having more fun before you was saved. And the flesh says, come on back to this side. Well, then you got the world. The world's doing the same thing. The world's saying, you had more fun over here with me. Why don't you and your flesh come on over here and hang out with me for a little bit longer? Be like the old times. Have more fun over here. And then you got the devil, and the devil's up there, and he's poking, and he's pushing the flesh and the world both as hard as he can. He's trying to make sure that things stay on his track and his timing. That's what he wants from us. So we're fighting constantly with flesh, world, Satan. 
and it will never end. This side of heaven, it will never end. Until we are resting in Jesus' arms, till we are in heaven, we will never, ever, ever get through this. We'll never get over this. We'll get through it. We'll never get over this because it's all constant here, this side of heaven. Flesh, world, Satan. Always remember that. Now, Satan's plan is what? It's to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he knows. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. That's all he wants to do. And he's killing us right now. He's, he's taken so much away from our homes. He's taken so much away from our churches. He's killing us right now. It may not be physically, but spiritually the devil is killing so many people, so many churches. Spiritually, he's kicking some tail right now. We've got to stand up, and we've got to stand strong. We've got to stay on the Word of God. We've got to keep coming to our churches. We've got to keep praying. Yes, we're going to have to tailor things a little bit. And it broke my heart for us to talk last week about not doing Heritage Day. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to this church and to this community, and it kills me. Not as much as Bible school killed me. That really, that really killed me. But that, to me, is the devil. He's trying to get... He's, he's trying to get a toehold in our churches to destroy us. Don't let this destroy you. Because we're not going to be making apple butter this year and having a time of fellowship and singing, don't let that destroy you. Don't let that kill your faith. Don't let that uh, ruin your, your, your views or your opinions about this church. We're not weak. It actually makes us stronger. All right, we'll be okay. We're going to get through this. Don't let the devil get a toehold in this thing. We're going to get through this. This morning, John's going to lay out a battle plan for us. And I want you to turn, if you're not there yet, 1 John chapter 4. Stand with me just a moment. We're going to read what Brother John has to say here. 1 John, 1 John, everybody's at 1 John, not John, 1 John. Chapter 1, or chapter 4, I'm sorry, verse 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth the G- that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the, that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Father, this morning as as we start the Sunday out, God, in your word, Lord, we thank you for having that spirit here. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit being inside our church walls this morning. Lord, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit being in our hearts this morning. Lord, I thank you for this battle plan that's been laid out for us. Lord, I I thank you for the victory that we've already won by the way of the cross, Father, and by the way of the resurrection. God, we know who's in control. We know know the one, uh, Lord, that's going to lead us through all these uh, foes that we have in front of us, Lord. We know the one that's going to help us battle that flesh in the world, and we know the one that's already whooped the devil, Lord, and I'm thankful that I follow him. Lord, I'm thankful that I have placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one that's leading this army. Uh, what an honor it is, Lord, to be an army or in this army of God with my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, I pray that you continue to, to gird us, Lord, and, and prepare us and, and allow us to keep our hands held high and our swords raised high. 
Lord, let's keep our, our belt cinched tight, Lord, and, and keep that armor shiny and, and ready to go into battle. God, I thank you for this week. Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with this church, Lord, as we had to make that awful decision, Lord, to, to not go through an annual event. But, Lord, uh, we'll, we'll get through this, Lord, and you'll find a way, uh, Lord, to, to just uh, honor your name uh, another way. I don't know how it'll be, but, Lord, you'll, you'll lay something out there for us. And, uh, Lord, I look forward to that. And Lord, I pray that you just bless our time together, this service this morning. Bless those that are here. Be with those that are unable to be here. Uh, Lord, just continue to pray for uh, Judy's family as the, the passing of Jean. And Lord, just give them strength and peace in the days ahead. Lord, we just love you and we praise you. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Before y'all ask me after church, yes, I'm limping. I had a little procedure on my toe Friday and it sores the dickens this morning. So if I stump my toe on the pulpit, I will go out the door, and I will turn this microphone off. Number one, Satan's going to lead you astray. Satan will. I don't care how strong a Christian you think you are, at some point, Satan's going to be able to turn your mind, turn your eyes, turn your heart, turn your, your ears to something that's ungodly. He will try to lead you astray. We got to be ready, and we got to stay strong when he does this. I want you to go back over to verse 1 and look at this. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. This is old. This is New Testament, and people read this, and like, there's no false prophets. There's no false teachers out there. It's 2020, and I'd say we probably got more false prophets, false teachers in 2020 than they did when John wrote this. They're everywhere, everywhere. And I'll be really honest with you. It's in a lot of our uh, seminaries. There's a lot of seminaries teaching false doctrine, false prophecy. They're, they're teaching it, and they're so ignorant. These people in these seminaries are so ignorant, they don't know how to discern what's right and what's wrong. I was helping a church. They're in the process of looking for a pastor right now, and they said, give us some pointers. And I've told you all this before about a good way to figure out if he's going to be a good pastor or not is to look at his pastor. What does his pastor do? If his pastor goes and visits and, and does and is involved in the church, then that's probably going to be a good pick. But like I told this church, you look at where, if they go to seminary, you look at where they go to seminary. You'd be really cautious. I told them, I said, if they go to West Lenore, you go ahead and scratch that one. You don't want them. That's, that's not a good bunch to, to be picking. But we got, they're teaching this stuff. And what's sad is they're supporting this stuff. They're able to work and weasel their way into these churches and destroy churches internal. They might say, I don't preach it. I don't preach this junk. Well, they might not preach it, but they're teaching it. They might catch you on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, and they're going to teach it. You've got to be careful with the people in this world because they will lead you astray. And I've told you all this, I know, but I'm really picky about where my girls go to Bible school. If I know that church and that pastor, I don't trust their doctrine. They ain't going. Even though that preacher might not be preaching it, I'm, I'm picky. And we all ought to be like that. We need to be that way with our children. We've got to be careful. Now, in Luke 4, Jesus was tempted by the devil. But he didn't just tempt him one time. If y'all remember, he didn't just go in and say, Hey, Jesus, jump off a cliff. Hey, Jesus, turn that rock into bread. That's not what he said that one time. Forty days. For 40 days, the devil 
wore him out for 40 days. Luke uh, 4.2 says, being 40 days tempted of the devil. 40 days. Can you imagine having the devil on your back for 40 straight days? Just harassing you constantly. I think we get a break from him every now and then. Not always. But can you imagine you by yourself in the wilderness? Just you. Trying to, to, to find peace, praying to God, praying to the Father. But you got this little serpent following you around. And harassing you the whole time for 40 days. Now I want you to listen to this. I want you to, I want you to see this with the spiritual eyes right here. Luke 4.13 says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him. Now listen. It said that he departed from him for a season. For a season. There's a big difference from just departing from him and departing from him for a season. Season's a long time. Seasons, it can be a long time. Except for deer season. That's to be the shortest time in the world. I wish it was a little bit longer. And bear season, ain't that right now? That's just too short. It's too short. Maybe rabbit season. It's getting shorter, ain't it? Or is it getting longer? It's getting longer. Y'all are blessed. That's bear hunters ain't anymore. We can't get an extra tag. But Satan's battle with Jesus didn't end with just that verse we were just reading. It says, he departed from him for a season. He's going to wait. He's going to come back at the right time. He was just waiting for the right opportunity to get him. He does it with us, too. We might fight him tooth and nail. We may have people praying over us, and we may be in uh, dark despair in our lives, and we got the church backing us and praying for us, and we're going to whoop the devil, and he's going to get off our back for a while, but he's waiting because he's going to come back. He's just waiting to come back and figure out another way that he can get us and get us down again. That's what he wants to do. He's going to wait and come back. Jesus, uh, he came back after Jesus. Um, let's see, Jesus came out of the wilderness. He was a victor, but he didn't give up. The devil didn't give up. He watched for those opportunities. And the last time we see him is where? In that garden. In that garden. Garden Gethsemane. That's where he... Most people would have said that that was the nail that, that closed the coffin. That would have been the nail that sealed the deal right there. <laughs> it wasn't. It sure wasn't. Great things happened from that garden, from that trial, from that persecution, from that crucifixion, from that tomb. When our stone was rolled away, great things happened for us because of that. Amen. A battle was won. A battle was won. Jesus himself defeated death, hell, and the grave that day when he cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it said he gave up the ghost. And he was buried. And then he rose again. He rose. So he beat the devil. That should inspire you, folks. That should get you going, knowing that my Jesus died and was resurrected. He's already beat the devil. Yeah, the devil's going to try us. He may be able to strip us from a lot of things in this world, but he will not take your salvation. The devil tries, he may. He cannot remove you from the hands of God. He cannot take you out of that grip, out of that grasp. Jesus loves you, and he ain't turning you loose. So find some faith in that. Find some hope in that, knowing that no matter how bad it might feel right now, no matter how tired you are and how depressed you might be getting and how you feel like you just can't make it, always remember, as a child of the king, he ain't going to lose you. The devil ain't taking you away. He ain't. Because you belong 
with Jesus. Satan has this army out there. And we're talking about this where my Bible says discerning false teachers. But the devil has a whole army of, of demons himself. And he has a whole army of false prophets and false preachers that are out there right now in this world, in America, all over the place. And that's what they're doing is they're trying to get, trying to get in our churches. They're trying to get into our schools and they're trying to get the, this false doctrine out there. And it's, it's, it's sad and it's sick and it's running rampant right now. You've got to be able to discern. You have to. And that's something we're going to talk about in a moment. But you've got to be able to discern what's right and wrong. And you do that through prayer and through study. You've got to know the Word of God. You've got to be able to get in there, study it out, understand it the best of your knowledge, and use discernment to figure out this false doctrine, these false prophets out there. And he's going to attack us. He's going to attack our weakness until he gets in. And I want to promise you this. He knows your weakness. He knows your weakness. If your weakness is chocolate, some of you got that weakness, chocolate. If your weakness is chocolate, you'd be like Willy Wonka. You might win that golden ticket and get to go tour the Hershey factory, and then you're going to get sick because you ate too much. He knows your weaknesses. He knows when you have that wandering eye. He knows when you have that wandering ear. He knows when you, you your, your curiosity, if you're a curious person, he knows that, and he's going to use it against you. That's your weakness. We've got to continue to study to make ourselves stronger in the Word. He knows our weaknesses, and he's going to jump on it, and he's going to tear us apart. That's that. I talk about making sure you don't have any, any chinks in your chain, in your armor. When he finds that little chink in there, when he finds that little hole in your armor, that's where he's going to go in. That's where he's going to penetrate, and that's where he's going to get into your life and, and try to ruin it. So remember that. He knows your weakness. Stay strong. Number two. We've got to be able to discern the truth of God and the lies of Satan. The truth of God and the lies of Satan. Now, a lot of people say, how in the world can you put them two together? You think I'm crazy. Sometimes you can get confused and you can't figure out if it's of God or of the devil. And you don't have to answer me right now. And you probably don't have to answer me right now because I don't know that there's one here that hasn't felt like this. But has anybody in here ever felt like you wasn't saved? Have you ever doubted your salvation at least once in your life? You just get down. You, I know where I got saved. I remember that, that pew. I remember that altar. I remember having that conversation. I remember praying to God. I remember, I remember, I remember. I got the time. I got the place. I know where it was at. And then something happened. You may have said a, a bad word, or you may have seen something you shouldn't have seen, or done something you shouldn't have done. And you know, If I was really saved, would I have done that? That's the devil. I promise you that is the devil. If you know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you are saved. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, you just know it. That's the devil's telling you, you're not saved. You're not saved. Doubt, I told you all this not too long ago. Doubt is the number one tool that the devil uses for a Christian. Doubt, doubt that salvation. Doubt, don't doubt. If you know that you were saved, don't doubt. Go back. Go back to that time, that place. Now, I can't tell. I know the date when I was saved, October 26, 1997. Never forget it. Do I remember what I said? Absolutely not. Do I remember who was with me? Yeah. Our deacon, Bob Townsend, right beside of me. He's an old man. I ain't never seen him move that fast. But he's right there with me and helped me pray. I don't know what I said. 
except I asked Jesus to save me. I remember that. And I've told them before, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Right now, I can almost see myself at the altar. You know, I can see me and Bob at the altar, and that's great. So I know I'm saved. But from 1997 to 2020, have I ever doubted my salvation? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I know I'm saved, and that was just the devil. So we've got to be able to figure out discernment. Is this of God or is this of the devil? Is this something that's real from God or alive the devil? We have to look at verse 2 and 3 again. It says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that uh, confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh of God, and every spirit that is confessed, confesseth not that Jesus, is, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. It's here. The devil is here, and he is going to do that to us. He is going to make us doubt. He's going to make us say things and do things. He can absolutely destroy a reputation. The devil, he can get in there and destroy one's reputation. You might be a, a preacher or a deacon, a Sunday school teacher. I don't know. You might have the best reputation in the world. People look up to you. And it may take you 40, 50, 60 years to build that reputation up, but it will take 30 seconds to destroy it, and you'll never get it back. That's the devil. Be careful. Use caution. Use discernment. That's what we're supposed to use is that discernment. Satan will lie to you. He's a pro at it. Now, remember what Jesus said to, to Satan over in John 8. He said, You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he spaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. How do you discern in our day and time the truth of God and the lies of Satan? It, it can be tough. This day and time is awful tough. It's getting harder, it feels like. Well, verse 2 tells us, Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Those of us that confess Jesus Christ as Lord and King, as our Savior, is of God. We're all of God. God made us all, but we are his. When we confess Jesus as who he says he is and who, who we know he is, then that helps us use that discernment. Knowing that Jesus is who he is helps us with that discernment. The Holy Spirit, that's where that discernment comes from. Because when we're saved, what do we get? The Holy Spirit. We get the Comforter. And so by using that Holy Spirit, using that Comforter, we're able to discern right from wrong. Remember the little angel and the little devil that sits on your shoulder and talks to you? That's the Holy Spirit talking to you over here. That's that discernment we're talking about. That's who's guiding us to do right and wrong, telling us what's right and wrong. It's, it's more than just a simple head knowledge, though. This is, a, this is nothing but a heart knowledge. Head knowledge will send you to hell. Heart knowledge is what gets you to heaven. I don't know if y'all ever remember me preaching that one time, the 17 inches to salvation. There's a 17, average of 17 inches from the brain to the heart. This will get you to hell, and this will get you to heaven. You've got to know. You've got to know down here, not up here. Head knowledge is great. Look at those Pharisees. Had it all up here. They didn't get none of it down here. You've got to have it down here, not up here. This gets you in trouble. So you've got to be able to use discernment from your heart. It's your heart knowledge. Knowing, believing, trusting that Jesus is the Savior. It is your Savior. Knowing 
believing and trusting, you got to know. And when you know that you know that you know, then you're going to be able to use that discernment. And the Holy Spirit's going to help guide you through that. Number three, as followers of Jesus, listen to this. We can live victoriously. As followers of Jesus, we can live victoriously. We will live victoriously. Because he's won. He's won that battle. When I was over in, in Israel and I was standing up on the mountain looking over where Armageddon is going to take place at Megiddo, I'm looking at this valley, Kidron Valley, and it's running, I mean, it's just as wide and broad as you can ever imagine. And it, the, the first time I went there, I seen it, but it didn't mean as much. I mean, it means a lot, but it didn't mean as much until we'd done that study in Revelation in the book of Daniel. And I went back, and we talk about how deep that blood's going to be. It's going to be bridled deep to a horse. And then you look across that valley, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that is deep, and that is long, and that is wide. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood. And then you think, what a battle. What a battle that's going to be. It's one. One swoop. It's over with. Jesus, we know the end story. We know what the book of Revelation tells us. And so we can live victoriously, knowing that Jesus is in control. Jesus has won this battle. Jesus has defeated the devil himself. Now look at verse 4 one more time. It says, ye are of God, little children. That's us. We're them little children. And have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we don't have to live our lives feeling defeated. And a lot of people do that. They got, their, they got the wind knocked out of them one time, and they said, well, I'm defeated. I can't do this no more. No, you can do it. Get back on your feet. Brush yourself off. Get a little closer to God. Don't feel defeated. Satan will do all that he can to knock you down, drag you through the mud, and slap you in the face. That's what he does. He wants to knock you off that horse on your way to Damascus. See, that was Jesus. That was Jesus getting Saul's attention at the time. But he, the devil does that to us too. He tends to knock us off our high horses. The devil tends to, to knock us off our feet. He knocks us out of our seat. And we say, oh, woe is me. We feel defeated, and we don't want to do anything else. We don't want to do anything else for God. But listen to what Jesus said in John 16. He says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye, have, ye shall have tribulation. Did you catch that? In the world you're going to have that tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So you went from way down here, there's going to be tribulation, and then boom, I've overcome the world. He reads it. Or he writes it out for saying, you're going to run into some trouble. The devil's going to be there. The devil's going to wear you out. And you're going to get way down here deep. But then the next verse, he says, I have overcome the world. That's good news, folks. He has overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in all the world. That's in you. He's overcome the world. And now he's in you. So that makes us great. We're children of the king. Now John tells us, as children of God now, that's what he tells us. Greater is he that is in you that he is, than he that is in all the world. If we're going to live victoriously, we only do it by following Jesus. Only by following Jesus. There's no one on this earth that you can follow. 
There's no you you could have followed Billy Graham till he died. But you wouldn't have got it very far. You gotta follow Jesus if you want to live victoriously. There's a lot of good preachers out there right now. Don't follow them. You can listen to them. Don't follow them. Only follow Jesus. You've got your faith, you got your trust, you got your hope in him, so you follow him and you're going to come out victoriously. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, who's greater than our enemy, who's the devil, we're going to be victorious. So number four, what makes sense to us is not always right. What makes sense to us ain't always right. Look at verse five again. It says, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Now what's, what's the motto anymore in this world? If it feels good, just do it. That's, that's the motto, if it feels good, do it. Or, if it makes you happy, it must be right. It's another good motto. And the other one was, if everybody else is doing it, then it must be okay. That's, that's the world's motto right there. That's the way the world thinks. If it feels good, just do it. That ain't right. These false teachers are, are very successful in the world because their, their thinking accommodates the, the world beliefs. But here's the problem. What we're reading or what they're teaching is conflicting with the Bible. What these false prophets, these false teachers, what they're telling us is of the world, and it's conflicting with the Bible. We have to be careful. We know what the Bible says about traditional marriage. We've got to be careful. We know what the Bible says about abortion. We've got to be careful. We know what the Bible says about who's to preach and, and who's to teach and who's to do all this. We know what the Bible says. Be careful. Use this as guidance. Use this as your roadmap. Use this as an instruction manual on how to, to build and run and keep a church going. But I want to take it a step further. You use this to keep your country going. Use this to keep the world going. We have to. I mean... I mean, I I'll get all preaching stuff, but what was this? What was this country founded on? Right here. Stick with it. It done pretty good. But when you start taking it out of stuff, it don't go pretty good. It goes pretty south. Many well-meaning Christians live by the worldly philosophy instead of this biblical viewpoint that we have. We got to keep. We got to keep our biblical viewpoints. We got to. We have to. We're going to lose. We're going to lose our nation. We're going to lose our churches. We're already losing our children. That's the sad thing about it because we're getting too worldly. There's too much world getting into our families. When we start getting, we start getting God back in our homes, we're going to see a big change. You can, people can point fingers at the church and at the preacher all day long. But when you start taking God out of your homes, that's where the problem is. We've got to get God. We've got to get the word of God back in our homes. And I'll take it another step further. Men, you might want to just watch your toes. Don't step on them. It's your fault. It's the men's fault. It's our responsibility, guys. It's, it's up to us. We are the leaders, the head of the house. We should be the ones with our children, teaching them what's right and wrong, doing the studies with them. It's up to us. We failed in a lot of ways. The church has failed, the men are failing, preachers are failing. But we still got a little bit of time. And I don't know when he's going to call us back. I don't know when he'll 
It might be this evening. I don't know. But we may have just a little bit more time to get things back where they need to be. Get back on track where he wants us to be. As Christians, the way that we live should always pass that litmus test of the Bible, of the Scripture. We need to be, whatever's going on in our life, we've got to find the Scripture to go with it and make sure that we're doing it right, following the Word of God. Paul lays out a plan of how we, how we should live. It's over in Philippians 4.8. He says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think of these things. Every aspect of your life should be measured by those things right there. Honest, or true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. That's that. That's, that's us. That's what we should be. When, when we look at our lives, we need to be measuring our lives up to those things. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. And if it's not of that, it's not of God. We've got to be careful. Measuring our lives up. Don't measure it to the world's standards. Measure it to these biblical standards. What we stand on. What we need to be standing for. If Christians would just live like Paul says, and we couldn't, we... (laughs) Folks, if we would live by this right here, if we would just live by this, we can change the world. We can change our homes. We can change our churches. I'll... We can change our workplaces if we just live by this. But we don't. We don't. But we should. Number five, if you're turned off by the gospel, then you're under the influence of Satan. This will be the last one. If you're turned off by the gospel... Then you're under the influence of the devil. When somebody reads scripture and it don't move you, when somebody reads scripture or they pray and it ain't shaking you up, it ain't making you thankful, it ain't making you feel blessed, it ain't moving you the way that that it is other people, then you may be struggling. You may be under the influence of the devil. Now look at verse 6. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now Paul tells us over in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Jesus said over in in John 8, he said, He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. What does it do to you? What does it do to you whenever somebody's reading Scripture or preaching? We get the good old red hymn book out, and we sing the good stuff. What does it do to you? Make you change the channel? Make you turn the volume down? Make you get your phone out and see what's going on, what the score is, who's winning the race? How many died in Chicago? That seems to be the new thing now. What, is it, what does it do to you when somebody is in the Word of God? If it ain't moving you, you got some problems. If that Scripture ain't pushing you and trying to make you change your way of living and your way of thinking and your way of talking, then are you of the devil? 
Is he in you right now? Are you under the influence of the devil? That's what I meant to say. Where are you? Think about it. Here in Scripture, if it does turn you off and it makes you mad, chances are you may be under the influence. Now, I want you to listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. That's Paul saying, I got to die daily. Remember I talked about killing off the old man? I'm glad to see Mike's still here. Cindy ain't killed him yet. <laughs> we die daily. We've got to kill off those fleshes. We've got to kill off those lusts. We've got to kill off this worldly life that we're trying to live, but we can't. It's not just a one and done thing. We have to do it daily like Paul says. Because every day there's something new comes at us. Every single day we get attacked with something new that the devil's come up with. So we have to die daily, like Paul says. And as soldiers, we have to die to self by killing away those worldly things. Get rid of them. It will wear you out. Getting rid of the, the worldly lustly, lust things that are in this life, it will, it, it will just it drains you. Fighting the devil... It's a tiresome battle. And sometimes you feel like he's winning. Take a deep breath. Pray a little harder. Swing your, your sword just a little bit longer, stronger, harder. And you're going to defeat him. Don't let him wear you down. So this morning as we're getting ready to close out, do you believe that life is a battleground now? Or do you still think it's a playground? Some of the younger ones probably think life is a playground. It's fun. We can go and do. We don't owe for nothing. and It's just a, it's a good life. But the older you get and the more mature you get, you realize that we're fighting daily. So our life goes from a, a playground to a battleground, and it's tiresome. Always remember that. The devil is always on our case. He's in our churches. He's in our homes. So that makes this whole world a battleground. And he's going to take every attempt, make every attempt to lead you astray. Every attempt. Miss one Sunday. Well, it's okay. Miss a second Sunday. Oh, it's okay. Third, fourth, fifth Sunday. Next thing you know, it's a year. And you ain't missing church. You ain't missing God. When you start missing one or two here and there, it's okay. But the devil finds a way to get in there and make you want to try to more and more and more. Nothing made me any happier than that first Sunday we got to come back here. You know why? Made the devil mad. And I got to see y'all, but, but it made the devil mad. Because he thought he probably won this thing. But he ain't. Here we are. Here we are. We're back together in, in God's house with his people. And so we won. We won. The church won. God won. I don't know what he's going to come up with next. The devil's going to think of something, I'm sure, to try to separate us again. But you know what? We're going to fight again. And we're going to come back. We're going to win again. We're going to make him mad. So are you battle ready? Are you battle ready? When you leave here, is your sword, sword sharp? You got your bootstraps down tight? You got your belt on, cinched down tight? You got your helmet on? Hollywood strap on? Well, in the fire department, we call them Hollywood straps. <laughs> you got your tin strap on? 
Are you ready? Are you battle ready? I'm going to read you this last quote right here, and we're going to close out. Andrew Bonner, an old Scottish man from the 1800s, said this, and I want you all to remember this. Write it down if you want to. But listen, there's a lot of truth in this one little sentence. Let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. Think about that. Let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. Just because we won don't mean he ain't coming back. Jesus defeated him out there 40 days in the wilderness, but he still came back. Jesus was victorious when he walked out of that wilderness, but he still came back. The devil still came back. When we leave this church, we're leaving victorious because we've got to come back to church. But I promise you, he's going to come back this week. The devil's going to find a way to come back at you this week. I read it again. Let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. Be ready. Be ready. Stand with me. We're going to close out. Again, it's always an honor to be able to come back to the church, be here with you guys. I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed doing those devotions with y'all. Some of them are kind of cheesy. Most of them are pretty good. I've enjoyed it, and we're going to keep going. I mean, unless y'all tell me to shut up, you're tired of seeing me, you can unfriend me or whatever. You don't have to see it. But I've enjoyed it. It's done more for me than y'all will ever know, and, uh, and I won't keep doing it. So I, I figure as long as we're doing that, then the devil's just going to keep getting madder and madder at me, and it just makes me smile. So we just, we just keep at it. But I appreciate everybody, everybody coming out today. Um, again, it's fall. Um, things are getting ready to change. The weather's going to change and stuff. So stay uh, stay healthy. Y'all keep your distance and all that stuff like we're supposed to do, and, and I hope that we can keep coming in the church. And I'm afraid it's going to be a rough winter, though. A lot of flu and a lot of stuff going on because people ain't exposed to germs as usual. So keep taking your vitamin C and staying healthy, and we'll keep trying to do this as much as we can. Have they set a memorial service or anything for Gene? Okay. So just remember Judy and that family. Okay. Just remember Judy and that family. We think 2020 has been a rough year. You are to be in Judy's shoes. It's been, it's been something else for them. Anybody have anything on their heart this morning before we close out? Nothing. Mike, will you dismiss us?
All right, we'll see y'all. Send, don't forget your, bo- your bottles. And no, VJ, you can't use it to drink out of. <laughs>